0: Exodus 2, starting at verse 1, and it reads About this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, She got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen to him. Soon, Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later... When the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Hallelujah. As you get ready to take your seats, help me introduce the title for today's message. Everyone say, Do it! Do it. anyway. Anyway. You may take your seats. Do it anyway. Uh, One of the um, companions that I have while I'm in this series is a book by Zora Neale Hurston entitled Moses, Man of the Mountain. Uh, Now this book didn't go to the acclaim that some of her other writings, but it was one where she took and try to retell in narrative form the story of Moses. It is not meant to be like the Bible, it is her adaptation, her interpretation of the story, but her supreme gift as showing nuance and adding and filling in space, I think is so important. And so, to open today's sermon, I'll read another excerpt from her book it says for a space they all swam in the silence in the room all their bodies leaned forward as if in flight the midwife the husband and the woman on the straw these were crumbling bags of fear The naked flame of the rush light on the floor even tried to flee before the tiny breeze from the door. Then suddenly, Jacobed clenched her fist and groaned like the earth birthing mountains. And the body and feel of the sound threatened them like a sword until the cry of the newborn baby ended it all. Old Pua had squatted on her hutches to receive the child. The man heard the cry, but didn't look behind him. He looked at the pain-struck face of his wife, and she begged him with her looks. Pua busied herself, moving around behind for a minute. Then she spoke. Amram, your wife has borne you a son. She tells this story trying to reclaim the fear and joy that would have existed at Moses' birth. Wow. Here in chapter one, we heard the story of Pharaoh's shifted heart towards the Hebrews. We recognize that Pharaoh had now concerned himself with the worry of their power, strength, and increasing numbers. And in a way to preserve Egypt, he enslaves a group of people and is trying his best to subdue them. And after every attempt, again and again, the scriptures tells us that no matter what happened, what Pharaoh did, the children of Israel increased and grew. Until there is this last ditch effort that now the only way to preserve what Egypt is, the true lineage and bloodline of Egypt, is to make sure that any Hebrew or child of Israel who birthed a child, if it was a boy, it was to be killed, thrown into the Nile River. However, girls were allowed to remain. So this is the infrastructure. This is the environment. This is the breeding ground for a soon-to-be liberator. Moses is born where his birth is illegal. Moses is born when his parents had to hide his birth. Moses is born in a time where now your heart sank. If you had a boy. But this is the part that jumps out to me. Exodus chapter 2 verse 1 opens with these words. They might almost seem innocuous to us. We may overlook them as just a side bit of information for the story. But I think we might need to recover them. Make them far more central because they're telling us something That we may not be seeing. They're telling us something without telling us something. The the story says about this time. In the middle of all of this. When after everything that has been described in chapter 1 is going on. A man and a woman. From the tribe of Levi. Got married. Oh I hope that you're grabbing this. That it's difficult It's rough, it's terrible, it's horrible, but a man and a woman got married. In fact, scripture later tells us their names. The father's name was Amram, and the mother's name was Jochebed. In fact, if you pronounce it in the Hebrew, it's Jochebed. They still decide, despite what's going on, despite the challenges, despite all of the issues, to get married. And as as I want to submit to you, marriage is not just a individual process. I know in our current context, we often believe that marriage is truly just between a, a husband or a wife or two individuals. But I want to suggest to you in the biblical times and even now that marriage is also a communal thing. That marriage doesn't happen by me and this one. There have to be others who come to participate. One who would officiate. Others who would witness. Others who would then be there to celebrate. Can you imagine that despite the increasing toil of their life, that despite the increasing difficulty, the political climate, the the difficulties all around, they still choose. To get married. They choose life anyway. They choose to love anyway. They choose family anyway. They choose community anyway. And that despite everything that is happening around them, they say their humanity will not be stripped by somebody else who does not see the goodness in me. I still will live anyway. This is amazing to me, and I, I want to submit it to us as maybe something we can gain from. That in this process of them getting married and starting family and being in community, that community itself is resistance. Everybody say community is resistance. Community is resistance. <laughs> that instead of seeing themselves. As what Egypt called them. Instead of understanding themselves as what Egypt put out for them, they saw themselves as God would have saw them and lived into their humanity despite what is happening. These are amazing people. And I lift this up for us, and I know, I know, I I hear it, and and I take it, and I grab it, I hold it. In Black History Month, the only conversation we should have should not be slavery. I want to offer that, I want to offer that. Slavery is not the defining idea of a group of people. But it was a transformative moment for a group of people, a way by which this country, and in fact, if you, if you think about it, like, slavery predates America. Wow. But it is not the slavery that I'm trying to bring light to. It is the fact that similar to Amran and Jacobed, similar to the stories that we hear of these children of Israel, There were others who decided to live anyway. And it is the beauty, not of slavery, but of the human spirit inspired by God to still love, to still live, to still create that I want to lift up. It is not the fact that they had been enslaved, but it's the fact that they did not allow slavery to take over all of who they were. They loved anyway. We are here and a byproduct of people deciding to love anyway. We are a church and in this space because there are groups of people that says, I don't care what they say about me. I don't care what they think about me. I see myself as the divine sees me and I will put love into my children, to my spouse, and to my family, into my community they will nestle together to hide one another, that they would go off into the woods and and maybe we can't party in front of the the slave masters, but you ain't gonna take the party out of me. They found community as resistance. And I think that's important, not because I think we're in another moment of slavery, But because I know that if any of you are like me, sometimes we feel enslaved to the negativity that constantly rounds us. Political craziness all over. Wars and rumors of war all over. We know we are yet but one decision away from the world plunging into another world war. And sometimes this may force us to say we need to just back up. We need to just put everything on stop. In fact, there's times I've thought, should I even bring a child into this type of world? And I say, love anyway. I say, love and create family anyway. I say, community anyway. It is the community that literally becomes our resistance that we choose not to uh, succumb to all of the negativity around but we rise up as Maya Angelou says from the dust and can we know that more is still available community anyway it's the gift what the body of faith can be community as resistance resistance to the transformation of ourselves to fearmongers only worried full of anxiety this is why we come to worship and really this is what sometimes the moment of worship is for us it's release I let go of the worry I let go of the fear I let go of the anxiety I let go of the depression I look to somebody on my right or on my left and they smile back at me telling me again I am not all by myself community as resistance. And this is, this is an absolutely amazing story. And I'm just like, the first verse. They do it anyway. And now listen to this. This is the story. This story keeps going, right? This, this talks about community. It says that the woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. If you're reading this, you may think that Moses was the first child. But that's not true. The story tells us that he already has a sister that's looking out for him. And further along, we will recognize he has a brother by the name of Aaron who happens to be three years older than him. What does that mean, Pastor? This means that they confront the possibilities of having to kill their child before. And it still didn't stop them from moving forward. They dealt with the difficulties of worried about the Egyptian law enforcers walking around to hear if there was a baby coming. And they had a daughter and a son and another son. And they figured out how to live life illegally, hushed themselves, quieted themselves, but chose to live anyway. Moses wasn't even the first boy. Can you imagine, at best, maybe the decree hadn't come while Miriam was a daughter or a baby. Maybe the decree had not come when Aaron was a baby. But the decree sure enough was there when Moses came. And yet, they do it anyway. And this is the gift, this is the gift, this is the gift. Watch this. And they use the terrible circumstance right. to teach their children. Right. I'm telling you, we have to be cautious and careful when we're not allowed to rightly teach our children. Right. Say right. Scripture says, watch this, that they do this and they try to hide Moses for as long as they can. Three months in, it is difficult to consistently hide cries from a male baby. As the, the he, uh, Egyptian uh, law holders are walking and patrolling, as the guard is now stalking the already enslaved Hebrews, they know that it's only so much longer they can make it. Yet, instead of being defeatist, Instead of living victimized, instead of giving up, they hope anyway. Everybody say hope is resistance. resistance. (laughs) Scripture tells us that they follow the rules and kind of don't follow the rules. You're supposed to put your baby in the Nile, but you weren't supposed to put your baby in the Nile in a way they would let the baby live in the Nile. But watch this, and this is something that jumps out, it, it screams from the page, it, it jumps off to me. They create this basket. And the basket is not just any old type of basket. Apparently the basket must be pretty good because they've learned how to make sure that not only does the basket float, but it's not overcome with water. These are intelligent people and not only that, they must make the basket look like something. Because a princess, one of royal heritage, one who had seen the best things in life, one who knew the law just as well as anybody else knew the law, was attracted to what she saw. So much so, she says, go out and investigate that. They're ingenious. They're crafty. They could make amazing stuff, but watch this, they hope anyway. We're going to put the baby in this basket, and I'm not sure if he's going to make it. I don't know what may happen if he's found, but we're going to give him the best chance at life. We're going to put him in the best positions that we possibly can. I know that what's around him is not the, 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 the perfect scenario. I know this is not exactly what we would want for him. I, I can only imagine Amram and Jacobin having this conversation. What should we do with him? Well, we got to give him back, but I can't give him back. But that's my baby. That's my son too, but we can't. They'll kill us all. Are You willing to sacrifice Miriam and Aaron? You and me? we got to do something. Well, I'm not just putting them in the water. Well, what you going to do? We're going to make a basket. Well, when when the last time you made a basket? (laughs) Can you imagine the conversation? Husband is employed. the, The children are employed. And can you imagine them surrounding the basket all to say their goodbyes? Miriam looking at her baby brother. But I liked him. Mom, you sure we can't keep him? Aaron gets on my nerves. Send him. (laughs) Right? But watch this. This is when you teach. This is when parents get an opportunity to be parents. No, we can't keep him. But we can hope. We're going to set him up as best as we can. We're going to put him out on the Nile River. I don't want to just leave him there, Mom. I don't want to leave him there either. But I don't want you to die either. I don't want you to lose your father. And I don't want to lose my life. Can you imagine? They, they stand around. Three-year-old Aaron looks in at his baby brother, knowing but not knowing. Aaron takes him to the riverbed because Shaka Bear said, I'm not strong enough to do it this time. Aaron tries to man up, puts him in the water, tries to turn, but he cries. He picks it back up. Shh, don't. Not yet, man, not yet, man. I don't want to let you go. Peeks in one more time, but can barely look at his eyes, puts him back in. He starts to cry, and all of his fatherly strength runs away. Miriam sneaks out the house, and she stands there and watches the basket. I can't believe my little brother is in that basket. What if a, what if a crocodile comes? What if, what if he's eaten? She stands off, and out of nowhere, the princess comes. Now there, there are many interpreters that believe that they had been watching the princess's process. That they knew well enough that she liked to bathe in the Nile. And they would try, maybe as best as they could, to position him so he could be seen. Now, this also means that we must believe that there's something different about the princess. And I am not of that same opinion. I think it would have been far harder for Pharaoh's daughter to be willing to break Pharaoh's law regularly. That Pharaoh's daughter, whether she agreed or not, more than likely, probably was going to do what Pharaoh had instructed to do. How would she bring a baby into the house? I think this is why I say hope is resistance, because all they had was hope. There was no surety that the princess would come this day. There was no surety that Moses would be seen. There was no surety. That he would be okay, but they used hope as resistance. And I want to offer to some of you today not to let go of hope. Yes, your life may be difficult. Yes, systems may be problematic. Yes, the world may be terrible at times, but don't you lose hope. I can't promise you everything is going to work out. I can't promise you'll get the job. I can't promise the relationship will be amazing. I can't promise that you will fulfill every single goal and hope in your life. But I can say you will never fulfill hopes that you don't have. So hope anyway. Do it anyway. Try it anyway. Be willing to fail anyway. Because you fail doesn't mean that you're a failure, but you can learn from it and become a greater winner. You got to try it anyway. Father walks off. Mom can't even show up. Holding Aaron's hand tighter than ever before. And Miriam is watching. As a baby brother sits in a basket. Can you imagine the cries, dark and lonely, wondering where are all these people that have been there to hold me? Why is no one coming? Why? Scripture says the princess sees the basket. She's drawn to it, sends her maid out to go get it. They bring it back and open it and find a Hebrew boy. He's not even named Moses at this point. And she knows exactly what this is. This must be one of the Hebrew boys. And in a moment where her heart could have been filled with hate. Listen, she would have been trained in the hatred of the Hebrews as much if not more than anybody else she would have been tutored since birth to look down her nose at those that are not like her. She had been trained since she was a little girl Not to get close to them. They are nothing but a subservient group. They are a lower class. They are beneath you. You don't touch them. You don't go around them. In fact, they are the main problem with our country. See, this is what we should be getting out of here. These are the ones that we should be sending away. She had been trained in this since she was a girl. But it's something to see in a baby. I might be able to be angry with a man. I might be able to overlook what I can say to a woman. But when I see a child, is it not the same thing that happened in America in the 60s? We always act like it was King that made the move. It wasn't King by himself. King created the situation. It wasn't until Birmingham, Alabama and you consistently hear stories of children four little girls dogs and water hoses on children because something arrests our hearts when we see kids getting what they don't deserve and she looks into this basket and scripture said she feels sorry. she has compassion for the child i think community is resistance i think hope is resistance and I think compassion is resistance. Everybody say compassion is resistance. Compassion. She looks at this child knowing what she could and should do. God was able to maneuver around all of the tutelage. God was able to back in around all of the programming. God was able to intersect her in a way that was different than any other moment of her life. She felt humanity was bigger than culture, was bigger than race, was bigger than nation, was bigger than anything. She sees the child and all of a sudden she's willing to do what nobody else could do. She's a princess so she can get away with something. But she couldn't get away with bringing him home immediately. And this is what I love. This is what I love. This is how you can tell that Miriam has some good parents. Once she sees that the princess ain't killing her little brother, she slides out there. Hey, I'm noticing you have a Hebrew baby and you can't take care of that Hebrew baby. Would you desire for me to get someone who might be able to help? Such a great idea, young lady, yes. Go and do that for me. And who does she go back and get? She doesn't go get the midwife. She doesn't go get somebody else. She runs back home to mama. Mom, stop your tears. Mom, let me tell you, I can't talk to you right now. Do you know what, mom, I gotta tell you something. Just listen to me. Listen to me! Right. What? The princess has your baby, and she wants to keep him, but she needs somebody to take care of him. And I told her I would find somebody, so what do you think? (laughs) You don't have me walk down to this riverbed. Because you always got these fanciful stories. You always see in the world in in technicolor. Mom, I'm telling you, just just walk out there. And if I'm lying, I'm dying. She walks out. Can you imagine, probably slowly trying to believe this? Yeah. Sees the princess trying to quiet her son and her heart is overwhelmed. She steps forward, hey, this, this little girl, don't say this to my daughter, this little girl yeah, yeah, yeah. tells me that you need some help. I, I, I'm willing to help if you would. Yes, yes, can you, in fact, I'll pay you. Huh? I'm, so, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I said I was willing to help and just one more time, what'd you say now? Because remember, These are slaves. Slaves are not used to be getting paid. They get just enough to subsist. Now, all of a sudden, you mean to tell me that my enslaved hope, that, that all of a sudden my enslaved community, all of a sudden my resistance has opened a door for something to happen for me and my family that does not normally happen? Yes, I got you. But I need you to do me one thing now. Don't, I, I ain't saying this is my baby, but I'm helping you. So make sure that there is the, the Egyptian guard know not to be coming knocking on my door, trying to act like I did something. I'm only doing what you told me to do. You got a stamp or something, like a ring. You got anything I can use to make sure they know. Scripture doesn't say this, right? It doesn't say what happens, but there would have to be a communication so that now this Hebrew boy who should have been killed is preserved. Can you imagine her now walking years with her son, taking care of him, being paid to do it, and no longer worried about the same people she was worried about when they came? This this is the story of Moses' birth. This is the beauty of the Savior. This is the beauty of what God can do. And and what I think, because I get excited thinking about it, this is the beauty of what joy can do. Can you imagine the joy of that night? She was expecting not to see her son no more. But that same night, she brings her son back to the same space they had him. That same night, she puts her head upon her pillow, knowing her baby is all right. That same night, her sister and the brother, her husband are all able to come back in. Imagine her explaining this to Amram. I know you've been out working in the field all day, but I got to tell you a story. She sends word that he might need to come home early. And he like, she got to be out of her mind. I know she going through. Amram, you better go talk to your wife, man, because you don't want her doing something crazy. I heard that Moses is, uh, the, the baby's still with her. Ain't no baby still. I put him in the river myself. I'm just trying to tell you what I heard. Can you imagine walking back into the house and the baby's sitting right there, and he's like, are you kidding me? You trying to kill us. She's like, no, but I do have a story to tell you. She tells him this story, and of course he ain't going to believe it until she shows proof, the same proof that she would use every time the Egyptians would try to come and check in on this child. Nuh-uh, said the princess. Unless you got something to the princess, you might want to back up. I'm just saying, I would hate for her to get mad at you for doing what you ain't supposed to do. Can you imagine the joy of a father? The joy of a family, the joy of a community. All these folks watching. How? I'm just saying, favor ain't fair. And she grows him up. All of this happens because they do it anyway. There's a story, or really um, a poem. It was found on the wall of an orphanage run by Mother Teresa. On the wall there was this poem and we've come to call it Do It Anyway. It reads like this. People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, People may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank, Anyway, what you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today, People will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give the world your best anyway. You see, in the final analysis, it is between you. And your God. It was never between you and them anyway. So I offer this for us to become a people who do it anyway, who hold community, who hope, who grab on to ideas and possibilities, who love and grab joy, who do it anyway. And this is not just an amazing poem, but this is literally the edict of our faith. Scripture tells us, Hebrews 12 and 2, it reads that we keep our eyes upon Jesus, the very pioneer and perfecter of our faith, that who for the joy that was laid before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the Father, that Jesus, our Savior, knew what laid in front of him, knew the challenges, knew the, the shame, knew the mockery, knew the pain, and yet he loved us Anyway, he he didn't just love us with his mouth. He didn't just love us with a letter. He loved us with his life, was willing to give himself for us, and we do not deserve it again and again. We fall short of the glory of God, and Jesus, knowing we would do that, still gave his life for us anyway. I wish we could be people worthy of his name to do it anyway. Freedom, it ain't free. It costs us. There's a responsibility for us. I pray we will grab that responsibility and live lives inspired by God anyway. Pray with me.